right. Good morning, Faith Church. It's good to see you guys here, man. Excited, excited, excited what God's doing today. You know, maybe when you watched this video a few minutes ago, maybe you just thought, you know, man, that's them. But, you know, you don't know my struggle. You don't know my problem. I just want you to know as a community of faith, as a church, that what we're believing for is that each and every Sunday when we come, that what God's doing is bigger than just Sunday. And, you know, I just want you to know to, to just believe God to do something big in your life. You may never make it on the video But you know what? God can meet you where you are. God can meet you in your struggles. God can show up in your situation. God can meet you in the middle of whatever you're going through. And you know what? God's promise is this, is God's promise is, number one, that he's he's with us. That in this life, we're never alone. In this life, we don't have to face life alone. We don't have to do life alone. God is with you and God is with me. And God's just not with us. But here's what I want you to know is God is fighting for you. God is fighting your battles. God is fighting what you're in the middle of. And so ultimately the promise is this, is man, that God can really bring you a supernatural victory in your life. And so I want you to get your faith out there and believe God to do unbelievable things. Amen? Well, hey, listen, we are continuing this series, Unbelievable. Everybody say that word with me, unbelievable. Here's where we've been for the last couple weeks, just introducing this series that God wants us to have and God wants us to experience an unbelievable life. In fact, he says this, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. So, so now this, I want you to notice this. When Jesus, he said, hey, here's the reason I'm here. He said, I don't want you to have a Sunday life. I want you to have a full life. I want every aspect of who you are. I want your marriage. I want your workplace. I want everything to be full and overflowing. I want to change radically how you experience this life. When Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, a lot of times we might think he's just talking about eternal life and one day living forever. But the word there that he uses is about our quality of life, that Jesus came to radically change our daily life quality of life. And so here's what we've been saying through this series is is that God isn't just going to deliver this to us. God isn't just going to come in and and wave a magic wand and fix things. What God does is God invites you and I into a partnership. In saying that, what God is saying is that there are things that he expects us to do that, that we can do, and then God will do the things that we could never do. And so, in fact, this is how we've been saying it, that that we can have or you can have an unbelievable life if you're willing to live it in an unbelievable way, which means if you're willing to make decisions that may not always be popular, if you're willing to do things that may run counter to culture, if you're willing in the middle of your life to do things that may not always be easy, if you're willing to do the unbelievable, God will link arms with you and cause you and bring you in to an unbelievable life. I don't know about you guys, but that's exciting to know that God can do that for us. That's exciting to believe that God can radically show up and change our life in a profound way. And so unbelievable is what it's about. And so today I want to continue this series, right? Here we are. It's the day after many of us have celebrated the big V-Day. Valentine's Day is in the house. I'm glad you all are here. Hopefully you had a late night. If you didn't, I'm sorry for you. But uh, here we are, man, celebrating. So I thought, what better time for us to talk about unbelievable than to invite God into our marriages and into our relationships so we could have an unbelievable marriage. Now, I know some of you already have it, but you kind of say it this way. Yeah, my marriage, it's unbelievable. We don't want you to have that kind of unbelievable. We want you to have, and I believe God wants you to have, an unbelievable marriage. Now, I've not said this the other two services, but let me just say this real quick. If you're here and you're single, you're younger, you're not married yet, 
don't, don't, don't check out. Allow God to speak to your heart that the day that when it comes that you get married, that this is your standard, this is your goal, and this is your desire. For God to give you, when the time comes, an unbelievable spouse that will bring you into an unbelievable marriage. Here, just let me ask you this, though. How many of you guys love, love music in this place? Like, you're a big music buff. Right? Here, here's what I want you to know is, man, I mean, think about technology these days. Man, we are really a spoiled generation. Things are so easy right now. See, right? Here's what happens. If you're driving down the, down the road and you hear a song on the radio and, uh, and you don't know what it is, all you got to do is grab your smartphone, open up SoundHound. SoundHound will immediately identify the song, tell you what the song is, who sings it, the title of it. In another click of a button, you can download that song. I don't know from where. It's voodoo. It's magic. I don't know, but somehow it magically appears on your phone. And in a moment, you can have that song identified and on your phone to listen to, which is all amazing until you get your iTunes phone bill, right? But think about that because some of you don't realize how spoiled you are. If you're like 20-something and younger, you don't remember back in the day. How do you remember back in the day? If you got gray, you remember back in the day. Back in the day, getting music sounded something like this. You'd be driving down the road, and you were listening to the radio, and you heard a song you liked, and you hope the DJ told you the name <laughs> of the song. You're like, what's the name of it? And if he didn't tell you the name, then you'd have to go into a record store and be like, hey, I heard this song on the radio, and I, I just can you? And they're like, what is it? You're like, dun, 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 dun. You know, born in the USA, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how we identified music, right? And then, right, you would have to buy, you'd have to buy it, and you would go home, and we wouldn't go home with music on a smart device. We would go home with one of these babies. Come on, somebody. And when you would get your tape, some of you are old school, go back to records. My first record I ever bought was Queen, We Will Rock You, right? Some of you go way back to eight tracks, and some of you, we're glad you're still here and alive with us. Some of you go back to reel to reel. But think about this. Back in the day on a tape, you might have one or, good, one or two good songs. So who needed 10 tapes? Mixtapes, right? I mean, nothing was like a mixtape. But here's the thing. Watch. So you would go from something that was so difficult to now it's so easy to find the music and play the music you love. Here's another one, food. Right back in the day, back in the day, if you wanted chicken pot pie, it would take you like three or four hours for mom to make you chicken pot pie while you stood in front of a stove. Now we have these ingenious inventions called microwave that you can have chicken pot pie like grandma used to make in five minutes. And we're still like, come on, man, hurry up. We are a spoiled generation because things have gotten so easy. Let me, let me give you one more. Pictures. If you want to take a picture today, again, you just grab your smart device, grab your phone, grab your Samsung, and you can take like 27 pictures and you just store them on your phone. But back in the day, right, anybody here remember back in the day you'd grab your camera and you had to have the magic cubes, right, and you would take pictures and it was roll film and and once you used up the 24 or 36 pictures, then you'd have to go to Revco. Listen, if you, if you don't remember Revco, you don't remember back in the day. You'd have to take your pictures to Revco to get developed. You'd have to go back and pick them up. And then finally, by the time you got them developed, got them picked up, mailed them snail mail to grandma, the first birthday that you took pictures of, the kids graduated already. Some of us, and this is true, my wife and I, we still have rolled film somewhere in our house that we keep meaning to develop. Isn't that true? One day we're going to get it developed. But here's the thing. Now, man, you just snap a picture on your smart device, in a, in, a, in a couple of days, you can have Groovebook deliver you a book 
of your pictures developed, or you can immediately upload it to a website like Walmart and go pick it up the same day. We have, in, we have become incredibly spoiled on how easy technology has made life for us. Isn't that true? But here's what I want to tell you. Listen, listen, listen. As easy as life has become in the area of food and in the area of pictures and music, here's what I want you to know. If you don't hear anything else I say, I want you to hear this today as we talk about unbelievable marriages, and that's this, that marriage is always work. Technology will never make marriage easy. In fact, here's what I want you to know is if you're not working your marriage, you will never have the marriage that you wish you could have. Marriage is not easy. It's challenging. It's difficult. It is work in order to get the marriage that I believe that God wants you to have. In fact, throughout scripture, the Bible uses kind of this illustration to help us to understand how life works, how life functions. And it's an illustration that back then when it was given, it was very common. It made sense to everybody. Still today, it's, it's common. We're, we're all familiar with it. If not firsthand, at least we know. And it's this right here. I got a packet of, of tomato seeds up here. How many people here have ever planted something before? Wave if you've ever planted something. How many people got saved and now you don't plant that stuff anymore? We're glad for you. We're glad that you came to Jesus. But right, here's the thing is, here's a packet of seeds and here's what we know. If you take these seeds and you plant them in the ground, eventually you're going to have tomato seed, a tomato plant. Eventually, now hear me, is it, is it immediate? No. Is it easy? No. It takes time, it takes effort, and it takes patience. But if you will plant tomato seeds in the ground, eventually you'll have tomato plants that give you a lot of tomatoes. And so with that thought in mind, God gives us this same illustration when it talks to life, specifically marriage. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest. Say that with me. You will always harvest what you plant. Now, for a lot of us, we've heard maybe this verse, maybe you watch Christian TV, and we've had, unfortunately, televangelists that have hijacked this verse, and they'll get up and tell you, you cannot uh, mock the justice of God. <laughs> and we, we think that it's this punishment verse, and this is not a punishment verse. This is a promise verse that God is making you and I a promise that if we will link arms with him, if we will live in an unbelievable way, we can have an unbelievable life. And here's the promise. He's saying, hey, hey, listen, listen. If you'll make investments, if you'll sow, if you'll plant into your spouse and into your marriage, you can have an unbelievable marriage. In fact, I would say it this way, that you can't have an unbelievable marriage. It's impossible. The only way you can have an unbelievable marriage isn't just by saying something. You have to do something. You can't just say, I want, a, I want a great marriage. Man, I hope our marriage is great. Man, I wish our marriage was as good as theirs. Man, I wish I had the marriage they had. Listen, you can't just say something. You have to do something. And so today for a few minutes, I want to talk about what it is, some of the things that I believe that God wants us to do in order to have a great marriage. And so we're going to look at this story today. Uh, and, and go all the way back to Genesis. Here's the things that I think we need to do. Listen to this. Genesis chapter 2, God creates man. In fact, he creates everything, creates creation. He creates man and woman, sticks them in the middle of this place that some of you have come to know as the Garden of Eden. And here's why it's called that. Listen to what the Bible says, Genesis chapter 2 in verse 8. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man that he had made. Keep going. Then the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden, and read this with me, to tend and watch over it. 
So creating the garden was God's responsibility. Taking care of the garden was man's responsibility. I want you to think of your marriage the same way. Think of your marriage as that garden. Listen to me. God created marriage. Marriage was God's idea. But if you want to have a great marriage, it's up to you to tend it and watch over it. And you say, well, what does that mean? You can't just say something. You have to do something. Here's, I think, what God is saying is these are cultivation terms. You've got to cultivate the dirt. You have to plant. You have to water. I would say it this way this morning, that you have to plant seeds and you have to kill weeds. Everybody say that with me. You have to plant seeds and you have to kill weeds. You have to invest in your marriage. You have to sow in your marriage. If you want something, you have to make an investment. There are way too many of us in this room, we want to return without an investment. We want something great to happen without making sacrifices. But if you'll plant seeds and kill weeds, if you'll plant and invest in your spouse and in your marriage, if you'll guard your marriage against the stuff that's trying to tear it apart, you can have an unbelievable marriage. And so, Pastor Steve, you're saying, what what is it I'm supposed to do? Well, I want to introduce you to a story this morning. It's about a guy by the name of Abraham. Now, if you've been in church for any amount of time or you're watching online, Abraham is kind of one of the key figureheads in Scripture. In fact, all the way back in the Old Testament, God kind of starts the whole faith story with this guy by the name of Abraham. And he shows up one day and tells Abraham, he says, Abraham, listen, I want you to get away from your family, get away from your father's house. I want you to move away from everything you're comfortable with. And I'm going to take you, I'm going to give you a land that I'm going to show you. And he ultimately promises Abraham his own plot of land called the promised land. But then he whispers in Abraham's ear and he tells me, he says, by the way, this isn't just for you, but out of you, I'm going to bring forth a nation. I'm going to birth a nation out of you. So basically he whispers in Abraham's ear, I'm going to give you and your wife, Sarah, a kid. Now here's what you need to know. Abraham at this point is 75 years old. So his pacemaker's like off the chart. His wife is 65. So he says, Abraham, listen, I'm going to give you a plot of land, the promised land. I'm going to bring a nation out of you, and you're going to have a kid, even though it looks like you can't have a kid. So think about this. Here's what I want you to watch. 75 and 65 years old. Divorce was very uncommon in their culture. Getting married at a young age was very common in their culture, which means at this point in the story, they've probably already been married for 50 years. Think about being married 50 years. Some of you are like, Feels like I've been married 100 already. Please put me out of my misery. Listen, you don't have an unbelievable marriage. I think our goal ought to be, hear me, I think our goal ought to be what we committed the day we stood before a judge or a priest or a preacher or a pastor, and we said, till death do us part. My prayer is that every single marriage in this room would experience an unbelievable marriage, that 50 is your minimum benchmark. God, I want to live my entire life with this beautiful bride. I want to live my entire life with the man of my dreams. I want to live to the very end with the one I committed my heart to. How did they make it, though? How did they make it 50 years? Because some of you are five years in and you're not sure you're going to make it six. Some of you 50 years, you're like, there's no way. I'm fed up. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Here's what I want you to know. In planting seeds and killing weeds, you have to plant love and you have to kill like. You got to plant love and you got to kill like. You say, what do you mean? Listen, let me ask you a question. Between love and like, which one do you have control over? We would think nothing because we believe what culture tells us. We believe, and here's what culture says. Culture says when you stop liking the person, you divorce the person. 
Everybody remember what it was like the first time you seen him? Anybody here remember the first time you seen your spouse? I can remember it like it was yesterday. My wife and I, we were at a high school dance, had never seen her before. And all of a sudden there she is across the room and the music's playing and it's on like Donkey Kong. And I see her and there's smoke and there's haze and lights are spinning. And all of a sudden my eye caught hers and immediately I fell in deep lust with her. See, no, I called it love at the time, but let's just be honest. It was lust. I fell in love with her, right? And all of a sudden, all these emotions kick in. And we all know what it's like, man, to fall in love with somebody. And man, our heart races and we stay up late night talking to them on the phone. And we can't wait to spend time with them. And all of a sudden, right, we get married and life happens and conflict happens. And sometimes kids come. And all of a sudden, the next thing we know, we don't even know if we like this person anymore. And the world tells us if you don't have the, a strong feeling of like, that you abandon marriage. But listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said in John chapter 13, he said, listen, he said, I give you a new commandment. A new commandment I give you to love one another the same way that I've loved you. Let me ask you a question. Would God command us to do something that we have no control over? See, if God's commanded us to love people, that means you can control whether you love somebody or not. Because love is not a feeling. Love is a decision. It's a decision that I'm going to sacrifice myself to invest in that person. And the highest calling that we have in this world is to sacrifice ourselves for our spouse and to love them, not when we feel it, but because we've made the decision to. Are you all hearing me today? To love our spouse. Like can't be the standard because you may not always have the feelings of I like this person. There's going to be days you want to pull your hair. There's going to be days you want to run. There's going to be days you're going to cry your, your face and your pillow because some things happen in marriage. But at the end of the day, you have to wake up and make a decision to love your spouse. There are going to be, there are going to be wild days and there are going to be vow days. Hopefully a lot of you last night had a wild day. You know what a wild day is? A wild day is when you get card. A wild day is when you get flowers. A wild day is when you go on a date and you watch a movie together. A wild date is when it ends right. That's a wild day. And when you have, when you have a wild day in your marriages, it's just easy. I mean, it's just automatic. But then there are some days, it's not a wild day, it's a vow day where you don't like them, you just had a fight with them, you woke up late for work, you got a flat tire, she didn't fix the coffee, right? You didn't put the laundry in the dryer and your pants didn't dry and you just want to strangle each other and the only reason you're in the marriage is because you made a vow till death do us part. Y'all remember that, don't you? For better or for worse, for rich or for poor, in sickness and in health, till death, come on, say it with me, till death do us part. You know the way you make it all the way till the end? You'll never make it by feelings. You make it by the decision to love my spouse. See, love is not just a decision. Love is a verb. Love is not an adjective describing how we feel. Love is a verb. Love does something. Remember what the Bible says in John chapter 3? We all know this verse. You can be new to church and you know this verse. John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world. How do we know God loved the world? that he gave his only begotten son. See, God didn't say, hey, I got a warm, fuzzy feeling for you. We can measure God's level of love for us, not by how he felt, but by what he did. And we can love our spouse. Come on, church. We can love our spouse by how we treat them, what we do for them, and sometimes what we do to them in the name of Jesus. We can love them. 
Well, how do we love them? There's a book. I'd encourage you maybe to take some time and read it. It's called The Five Love Languages. But basically it talks about that the way we communicate how we feel towards somebody and how they feel towards us, our sacrifice of love is communicated through five love languages. One love language is words of encouragement. You can love your spouse by speaking words of life over them. Come on, anybody remember writing notes when you were in love in high school? Any high school sweethearts in the house wave at me? Y'all better wake up. Don't make me come down there. (laughs) Right, and you would write notes in between and you would pass them right in the hallway and you just pour, like there'd be, I could just write pages. I love you and you're beautiful and I write and, and, and man, you just, and the, the notes we wrote then, we, we found them. And eventually we had to burn our high school notes because our kids got old enough to read and knew where we hit them. And y'all remember those notes? And something happens and we get married and all of a sudden we don't have anything to say. We used to be able to fill up pages when we should have been doing science. We're writing to our girlfriend. Now we get married and we don't have anything to say. You can give love to your spouse by investing words in cards, in notes, in letters, in emails. They did a study. Do you know what the number one text that men text? Number one text that men text. I love you too. Which means a lot of men are not used to saying I love you first. They're only used to saying I love you also. I love you in return. So we can love our spouses through the words that we share. We can love our spouses through acts of service. You want to crank your wife's tractor, men? Pick up a broom and put some dishes in the dishwasher and it's on like Donkey Kong. One of the other love languages is physical touch. In physical touch, men, I'm here to help you out, women. Physical touch doesn't always have to go somewhere. Just a hug. Just a back rub. Go ahead, amen me, baby. Just, a, you know, just holding hands. Um, gifts. Buying gifts for somebody, not because it's Valentine's Day, just because it's a day. What I'm telling you is, that, guys, if we're going to make our marriages work, we have to make a decision that we are going to sow seeds and kill weeds. We're going to sow love. We're going to invest love. We're going to plant love into our spouse. And we're going to kill the standard of, well, I don't like him anymore, so I'm not going to be married anymore. It's not about a feeling. It's about a decision. So here's where our story picks up, right? So Abraham and Sarah, they've had this promise now that they're going to have a kid. Where we're about to pick up in the story, they've had this promise now for 24 years. At this point in our story, Abraham is 99 years old and his bride Sarah is 89 and they're still waiting for the promise God gave them that they're going to have a child. And they're holding out. And the Bible tells us this story in Genesis chapter 18 that one day Abraham is sitting in his tent. It's scorching hot outside. It's midday. He's kind of hanging out and he sees these three men approaching him, these three people As of the culture of that day, when you seen guests, it was your obligation to make sure you took care of them, you showed them hospitality, and you treated them well. So when he sees these three men, he jumps up, has a conversation with them, and here's what the Bible says, Genesis chapter 18. And since you're, uh, this is Abraham talking, and since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So watch this. So Abraham, watch this, read it with me. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough and bake some bread. And then he runs out the door. Now, some of you don't really maybe catch this right now, but here's another thing we need to plant and we need to kill. We need to plant communication and we need to kill conflict. 
Did y'all see it? Because this is the way a lot of conversations in between spouses are. It's a one-sided conversation where a man runs in and he might say one word, hurry. Like there's no conversation. It's not like, hey, babe, listen, we got some guests. What do you think we should fix them for dinner? Uh, I don't know. What do you think? There's no communication. You cannot have a great marriage unless you have great communication. Great marriages rise and fall on the ability of two people to have a conversation. Hear me. Communication is sharing and making clear your thoughts, your feelings, and your desires. Let me tell you something maybe your spouse will never tell you. Your spouse wishes you would talk with them and not at them. That there's a two-way conversation and not just you just opening up and dumping. Your spouse wishes that you would talk to them the way you talk to your best friend, who should be your spouse, by the way. Because isn't it funny? We can get around our best friends. We can get around our buddies, our chums, our pals, our girls. And, man, we can just talk on the gun range. We can talk hanging out at a meal. We can talk spending time together. Man, we can just go on and on and on. And all of a sudden, when we're with the one we say we love the most, we have nothing to say. And so I'm just here to tell you guys, at some point, listen, we have to learn to open up our heart and share what we're going through with our spouse because healthy communication builds strong marriages. And if you'll sow, if you'll sow communication, now we got to find a balance here because men, our communication is typically one word. Like our communication is no, good. How was your day? Good. Did anything happen? No. (laughs) And you ask women, how was your day? And like at 11.30, you can go to bed when they're done talking. Because women typically speak 10 times as more words, 10 times as many words as a man. And so there's this communication gap that exists between them. But we have to find a way if our marriages are going to be strong and we're going to have an unbelievable marriage that we don't have one-sided, one-worded conversations. But we open up our heart and we share. And let me tell you, sometimes when that happens... At times, man, we're going to have conflict. Has has anybody here ever had a fight before? Wave at me, wave at me, wave at me. I've had couples sit before me in premarital counseling, and they've said this. And I'll I'll ask them, I'll say, tell me, what do you fight most about? And I've had people say this. "Uh, We've never had a fight. And I'm like, because you ain't married yet. Give it time. Because when you put two different people from two different backgrounds with two different points of view, with two different value systems in the same home, you're going to have conflict. In fact, marriage, guys, at times, marriage, marriage, it's mountaintops and valleys. There's going to be days you have beautiful days together, and there's going to be days you have conflict and tension. And some of you in this room right now, man, you're in the middle of maybe some heated battles, and you're like, you know, man, I I don't know what to do. Listen, here's what I want you to know is refuse to settle in the valley of conflict. Just because you fight sometimes doesn't mean you have to fight all the time. Determine that God can help you to rise above some of the conflict, that God can help you to overcome. In fact, marriages, man, marriages are a lot like the typical home, which means they're going to accumulate garbage. And there's times, just like in home, in your marriage, you got to take the garbage out. And the best gift that you can give your spouse is forgiveness, which means I know you upset me. I know you made me mad. I know you made me angry. But carrying the hurt, the burden, the bitterness isn't going to help us. It's going to hurt us. So i got to take the trash out. Some of you in this room, the best thing you can do today in order to have an unbelievable marriage is to begin to forgive your spouse for the things that they didn't do right. For the conflict you're having, you've got to learn to overcome. Whether it's a vow day or a wow day, you can have an unbelievable 
marriage. Here's the third thing, real quick, as we move through this. So they continue this conversation. Notice what it says. We got to plant realistic expectations, plant realistic expectations and kill perfection. I want everybody to know something, and you already know this, but I'm going to help you. Your spouse isn't perfect, and neither are you. Man, for some reason, we marry this person, and when we're dating, life is perfect, isn't it? When you're dating, it's like life is magical, and life is perfect, and you're in love, and the birds are singing, and your favorite song is always on, because everybody's got a love song. Anybody remember their love song? Right, LL Cool J, when I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at the wall and in the back of my mind, I hear my conscience call, right? Because you got that song and, and it play, but then you get married and the sheen wears off. And I just want you to know something. Listen to me, your spouse isn't perfect and you're not either. And a lot of times we hold our spouses to unrealistic expectations. And the gap between your expectation and your experience is disappointment. And the reason a lot of you in this room are disappointed and hurt in your marriages isn't because there's something wrong with your spouse. There's something wrong with your expectations. You need to have realistic expectations. You need to expect to be treated well. You need need to expect that you meet each other's needs. You need to expect that you spend time with each other. But those expectations need to be realistic. And you got to kill perfection when you expect something that's unrealistic. Check this out. Genesis, the story continues, it says, when the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and some milk and roasted meat and he served it to the men. Watch this. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Keep going. Where is Sarah, your wife, the visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. So so God and these two angels, they're outside eating with Abraham. And then God looks at Abraham and says, hey, Abraham, uh, where's Sarah at? She's inside the tent. Keep going. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Keep going. Abraham and Sarah were both very old at this time and Sarah was long past, long past the time of childbearing age. Think about the tension they had in their marriage. Do you ever think they fought? Back in their culture, if you couldn't have a child, you were cursed. If you were unable to reproduce, it was because you had sin in your life and God frowned on you. Can you, ever, can you imagine? I imagine for 24 years, there had to be the temptation because it would have been in me. Sarah, what's wrong with you? God said we would have a kid. Something's gotta be wrong with you. And Sarah would look back and say, well, you ain't so young yourself, old dude. Right? I mean, what's wrong with you? You know, I better not say that. I almost went out there and I reeled it back real quick. You see that? But I imagine she had some choice words for him. I imagine there was tension in their marriage. I imagine they argued at times. But I think at the end of the day, they reasoned that they made it 50 years. And at this point, the reason they made it 75 years together is because they had realistic expectations. Hey, we're old. We, maybe, we, maybe we're not going to have a kid. Hey, man, we, we, fights happen. Disagreements happen. See, the way you're going to have a marriage that's unbelievable doesn't mean that you're never going to fight. It means that you're going to learn to fight fair. It means you're going to learn to communicate, and you're not going to tackle your your partner. You're going to tackle the problem. If you tackle your partner, if it's you against them, someone always has to lose. But when it's you two together against the problem, then you can win together as a couple. Man, I'm telling you, that is one of the tricks 
to overcoming challenges. And so here's what I want you to see. Last thing, last thing is you got to plant prayer and you got to kill doubt. You got to make room for God in your marriage because God is the only one who can do the impossible. You got to make room for God. You got to make room for God. Here's what I know is, listen, do you know the Bible tells us that we are made up as a person, we are made up of three components. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit, which means you can have an incredible, intimate relationship. It can be awesome. In fact, sometimes those are where some of our greatest challenges are when it comes to expectations, is an intimacy, isn't it? Come on, guys, have you ever thought you were going to have one of those nights, and you have one of those nights? I mean, I just wish, you know, maybe that God would take our wives and just put like a panel on their back that just red, yellow, green. Just, if it just had just a light, red, yellow, green, we just need to know, red, no, yellow, proceed with caution, yes, green, right? If it, wouldn't it just be so easy? Men, help me out. But we don't know because there's this tension that happens because men, we're ready to go every night. Women are ready to go every November and there's tension between those two things. And you got to learn to communicate that tension. you got to learn to walk through that tension. I, you know, talking, I was a youth pastor for almost 10 years, talking to young students about sexual purity and things like that. You know, they'll come up and make comments like this. Well, you can talk about sexual purity because you're married and you can have sex anytime you want. <laughs> wait, wait, what did you just say? When you get married and you can have sex anytime you want, write a book. I will be the first person to buy it. Because there's tension in intimacy. There's tension in communication. And in the middle of everything that you're facing as a couple that's trying to come against your marriage, we have to invite God into the process because he's the only one out of the three between you, your spouse, and him that can do the impossible. And as long as there's room for God, there's room for the unbelievable. Watch what happens here. So she laughs silently to herself. She's hearing the conversation about the child she's been waiting for for 24 years. And she hears it one more time. She's like, are you kidding me? And she said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Now, hear me. You want to trick the marriage? You all can write this one down. Call your husband's master. You can't argue with me. It's in the Bible. It's right here. <laughs> Especially when my master, my husband is also old. She's saying, we, we, we're way, we were old before. We're way past childbearing years. Keep going. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Every voice here, read this next part with me. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Is anything too hard for the Lord? My husband's never going to change. Is anything too hard for the Lord? My marriage is never going to make it 50 years. Is anything too hard for the Lord? If you've prayed for a day, then keep praying for a week. If you've invested for a week and nothing's changed, keep investing for a month. If you've invested in your spouse for a month and things haven't changed, then keep giving for a year. If things haven't changed for a year, then keep going all in 100%, sowing love, planning communication, sowing realistic expectations. And here's what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Hear this promise. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, read it with me, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up, you got to fight for your marriage. You got to fight for your spouse. You got to fight for your wife. You have to fight for your husband. If you're not fighting for it 
and you're fighting with your spouse, you're gonna lose what is most precious to you. And not only will you suffer, but your kids will suffer. The most precious relationship you have on planet earth outside of your relationship with with the Lord is a relationship with your spouse. And you might be here today and say, Pastor, if you only knew what I was going through, you wouldn't say that. See, I don't know what you're going through, but I know the potential of a great marriage. To have a partner by your side, thick or thin, come hell or high water, someone who has your back, someone who stands by your side, someone who will hear your heart, will help you bear your burdens, is the greatest thing you will ever have. And God has given us the gift of marriage. And way too many of us in this room are giving up way too easy. But if you'll start planting, not once, not twice, just keep planting. Keep planting love. Keep planting time. Keep planting words. Keep planting. Make room for God. Make room for prayer. Let me tell you a secret. Because when I talk about prayer, man, let me just, let me just tell you this. You know, I have the privilege and, and I've got to pray with hundreds and thousands of people. I've stood on platforms and preached to tens of thousands of people. And it's easy. I can do it in my sleep. I can pray with people. Someone called Pastor Steve, man, I just found out I have, I have cancer. And man, I'll be able to pray with them and minister to them and encourage them. It's easy. We just lost a baby. We just lost a child. It's just, it's natural to come alongside somebody and pray with them. But you know when it's hard? is when I have to do it with my spouse. This is something. All of a sudden it gets difficult and tense. So if you're looking at me saying, well, pastor, you're a pastor. It's easy for you to pray with your spouse. And it's easy for you to pray in your home. It's easy to be a spiritual. It's just as hard. Do you know why? Because the devil would like nothing more than for me to pastor this church and not pastor my family. Man, I'm not telling you, you got to break out a, a devotional every day and, and pray for an hour and learn to play the guitar or the keyboard so you can have like a worship session. I'm just saying if every now and then you grab your spouse by the hand and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, we're not perfect, but you are. We're struggling. Help us to have an unbelievable marriage in Jesus' name. Because here's the promise of scripture. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, if any woman, if any husband, any wife, any couple will hear me and answer me and open up the door to me, I will come in and I will sup with them. See, God's promise is if you'll invite him in, he'll come in. And until you invite him in, he won't come in. But once you invite him in, he begins to do what we could never do. And that's to give us an unbelievable marriage. But it's work. And so I've come to challenge you to step up and let's plant seeds. Let's kill weeds. Let's trust God to do something great. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm so thankful for marriages that are in this room. God, people watching online who are married. I pray in Jesus' name. Father, where we are struggling, that you would help us to overcome. Listen, if you're here and your eyes closed, your head bowed, if you say, Pastor Steve, will you pray for me, man? There are some places I need to start intentionally planting in my spouse and in my marriage. If that's you, I want you to lift a hand real high. Come on, all over this room, say, pray for me. I want to start planting. I want to get intentional in my home. I want to get intentional in my relationships. Lift a hand real high all over this room. Or if you're here and say, Pastor Steve, man, there are some weeds in my marriage. Man, there's some bitterness. There's some unforgiveness. There's some conflict, and I need to deal with it. I want you to lift a hand real high. Say, Pastor Steve, help me, man, to deal with the weeds. I need God's strength. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every couple. Lord, help us to have an un believable marriage. I pray for every single person in this room that God, they would not lower their standard for set, to settle for anything less than your very best for their lives. I pray, Father, let them hold out and believe that God, you're going to bring the person that's just right for them. I pray in Jesus' name. 
in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Hey, listen, as you get ready to go get out of here, we have...